take a look up there. kids doing here? Um, you happen by any chance seen a morphological being lurking around here? A morphological being? Yeah. What the heck is that? Wait a second. Did it look something like this? <laughs> Ew, gross. Too kind. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm the galactically feared, globally reviled, universally despised. They call me Ivan Ooze. Well, pack your bags, because we're sending you right back where you came from. He, a teenager with a big mouth. Not much has changed in 6,000 years. You obviously don't know who you're dealing with, Mr. Raisinhead. Really? Yeah, we're the Power Rangers. Woo! Where's my autograph book? Ha! Power Rangers, huh? So, short on still, using a bunch of kids to do his dirty work. Well, meet my kids! <laughs> moment forth, the world as you know it shall cease to exist. Welcome to my nightmare! Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. We've got a new guest today. Uh, this is another guy uh, here from, with me in Japan, and that's Liam Kerrigan. Liam, how are you doing today? Hi, Perry. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to have you. Uh, so before we get started about today's movie, why don't you uh, tell the people a little bit about yourself? Okay, so yeah, my name's Liam. I'm originally from uh, Glasgow in Scotland, but uh, as of yesterday, I've been, it's been 15 years since I uh, first moved to Japan. Nice. I've, um, I've been, uh, been in Hong Kong for a few years as well in the middle. And uh, funnily enough, the movie that we're going to talk about today inspired me to initially get into martial arts which inspired me to get into kendo later on which led to me taking my first trip to japan back in 2005 so it's all kind of come in full circle today nice so when the, your first trip was that when you moved here or did you come here on vacation first uh, i came here as a university student we okay. did um we did a kendo training camp for two weeks um one week in tokyo then one week up in Akita Prefecture with my uh, my sensei's sensei. Oh, okay, cool. And then from there, it um, uh, I I just fell in love with the place. So a year later, when I graduated, I started looking for teaching jobs, and uh, and I got one. And um, so I've been kind of dividing my time since then between teaching and writing because mm. those are my two uh, those are my two kind of uh, skill sets. Yeah, definitely know what that's like. Um, so, what, yeah. what kind of what kind of writing are you doing? Uh, at the moment, I'm the uh, I'm the news editor for Osaka.com, um, which is a kind of a news and features website focusing on everything that's in Osaka. Um, although I live in Nagano, I did live in Osaka for a number of years, so I know the I know the city inside and out. Okay. Um, and uh, I occasionally write for Gaijinpot, 
Mm-hmm. Um, not so much these days, but uh, I do uh, I do occasionally little bits for them. Um, I sometimes blog about about well what folk from your country would call soccer, uh, the football. <laughs> um, I am uh, a big follower of a Celtic football club. Um, ironically, our biggest rivals are called Rangers, considering what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's it's a, a mix. I like to keep myself busy. You know, mm, good, good. Yeah, my uh, my dad was from London, so he. I grew up very very early on. I learned that in, that soccer is only called soccer in the U.S. He made sure that I never forgot that. <laughs> Well, you know, Japan's a funny one like that because in Japan, you they say obviously they say Saka, which is right. like their version of soccer. But if you look at the shirts the national team wear, it says JFA, Japan Football Association. So yeah, yeah, some, they're in two minds about that one. I think you know. Yeah, um, in fact, my daughter has uh, someone bought someone bought her, and I think it was a hand-me-down outfit she has, and it's a, mm. and it's a JFA outfit. So, so yeah, I've noticed that as well. Um, but yeah, and, and even when it comes to football, they don't call it football. They call it um, Ame football, right? They call it American football. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a strange one all around really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Um, but today we are talking about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. This was the 1995, uh, film that was based on the TV show. And, uh, this was an, an interesting, um, an interesting little movie because this was it had the same actors from the tv show but it's set in like a different universe uh and so there's like something it's the same actors but you know the villains are a little bit different there's you know some of the villains the usual villains from the tv show aren't there and then we've got uh some replacements in there the the zords are all cgi in this one which we'll we'll talk about i'm yeah sure (laughs) um and the costumes and all that were completely the the weapons the even the command center all of it was like completely different from even like small things like ernie's was completely different from what it was in the tv show yeah so um, the the interesting thing about that is you can instantly tell it was not made in the u.s yeah (laughs) just when you just when you look at the aesthetic you can instantly see this is not a u.s city where they've made this movie yeah in fact um Um, that was one of the that was one of the things in the TV show, they had like a, they had a bit where they, the, the kids went to Australia. And the reason is because the filming went over on this and like went and went into the TV shooting schedule. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So what was your familiarity? You, you know, you said that Power Rangers is what got you into martial arts in the first place. So uh, yeah. talk a little bit about your history with uh, this property. Right. Basically Power Rangers came to, came to Scotland about, Oh, probably about three or four months after it first launched in the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now there was there was kind of two in, in the UK, there was kind of two tiers of people who could see Power Rangers. If you were like me and you're lucky and you had satellite TV, mm-hmm. you got it about a month, maybe two months after the States. But if you were, if you only had terrestrial television, mm-hmm. it was maybe six months to nine months behind the US. So there was initially a bit of confusion when this movie came out because the White Ranger was the leader of the Power Ranger team, whereas in a lot of the UK, he was still the Green Ranger from season oh, two. So it kind of caused, like, who's this White Ranger? What's going on? You know, it kind of <laughs> confused things a little bit. 
But um, yeah, I I love the um, I love the franchise. The thing that really drew me in was um, when I was a lot younger. I was um, let's see, so ninety three. I would have been nine, going on ten when mm-hmm. Power Rangers premiered. And um, I, when I was a bit younger, I I loved Transformers. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have, you know, I still have a few on my shelf. But um, the uh, the the Zords. Mm-hmm. To me, those were like the, the sort of the next evolution of Transformers. And I just thought those things look amazing. I want some of those. And then later on, I got into the, the martial arts thing. And I'd always been kind of interested in Japanese culture. And knowing that this was a Japanese show, mm-hmm. basically translated for an American audience, I thought, here's a Japanese show that I can kind of get into. And the funny thing is, in subsequent years, I've watched the Japanese version, and it's it's nothing like what what we saw back in the day. <laughs> but it's it, it's intriguing to kind of look at the two of them as as different products and see where they cross over and where they don't. You know? Yeah, I um I was just rewatching. Uh, Netflix has a, has the TV show The Toys That Made Us, and they did an episode on on Power Rangers. Mm. And in preparation for this, I, I rewatched it last night, and. It's really interesting how this concept kind of evolved because it, and it's interesting how much American influence is kind of there right from the start, even in the Japanese version, because originally, right, because of the success of the Godzilla films, Japan had done a lot of these like, you know, kishi uh, sci-fi stuff called tokusatsu. And when they started off with a superhero property called uh, Kamen Rider, which was eventually Master Rider in the U.S., I think. Yeah. And then, oh. and then, um, but one of the things is Stan Lee wanted to get in on this. So they had done um, a series, uh, a team series called Super Sentai. And, and they had started talking to Stan Lee and they had made a deal with Marvel. Toei and Marvel made a deal where Marvel could use um, Toei's, uh, um, uh, some of their properties in their in their comics, and Toei could produce Japanese TV shows based on Marvel characters. So Marvel mm-hmm. had taken a bunch of different like robots and stuff, and they had put them in a comic book called Shogun Warriors, and and then Toei decided to do an adaptation of Spider Man. And one of the things of the deal was they could use the properties, but there were no restrictions on the properties. They could use the properties in any way they wanted to. So Toei mm. had a completely different take on Spider Man, where um, instead of being nerdy high schooler Peter Parker, he was now um, uh, a motorcyclist and um, and his father was a scientist and he got he got injected with this spider serum by an alien from planet spider and then he had um, uh, he had a giant robot that he had a giant spaceship that turned into a giant <laughs> robot and that was really the start of the giant robot thing and mm. toy had been planning they and it was so successful and Bandai, who had been toy, done a lot of toys work on creating the props and all that, and the the vehicle designs and the weapon designs. They had had so much success with the the Leopardon was the name of the the robot that Toy decided, okay, well, you know, we should continue this and we should bring back the Sentai series, call it Super Sentai, and we'll give them these mechas now. And originally, their first one that they were going to adapt was going to was was battle was called i think it was battle fever j but that mm. was originally going to be a captain america inspired show mm. 
Somewhere in the production though, in the lead up to the production, they lost the rights, like the, the Toei and Marvel deal ended. So they couldn't use Captain America anymore, but so then they just had, but they used like, but it still had the basic influence of it. So one of, it's funny because then eventually Battle Fever J led to, you know, Zoo Ranger and all that, which eventually got done, which is what uh, Saban chose for, to adapt for Power Rangers. And mm. in all of that, right, so you have, you know, uh, America influencing Japan and then, and then the, the series coming back to, back to America later on. It's funny because when you think about it, Transformers went through a kind of similar process because it was Japanese toys mm-hmm. adapted into first a Marvel comic, then a cartoon. That's right. And yeah. then it ended up going back to Japan and they ended up actually continuing after the American series ended with their own take on it, which mm-hmm. was kind of a full circle, you know? Yeah. So uh, we're, we're similar ages. I had just turned 10 when uh, Power Rangers debuted and mm-hmm. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before at that time. And I had, I wasn't a Transformers kid, but I was a Ninja Turtles kid. So, so that mm. martial arts influence, that was what drew me to it uh, more than, more than the robots. And, and I had already been a fan of, of superheroes in general, like X-Men and Batman were on TV at the time. So I, I was fans of those. I was a fan of both of those at the time as well. Mm. And it was, and it was a weird time to, at least in my, in my school, because a lot of kids my age, they were getting to the age where they're like starting to get a little bit more sophisticated and starting to look down on things that are more kiddy. So liking Power Rangers at my age level was like the thing you was like, it was like a sign that you were, um, you were uh, too immature or something. So I had to hide the fact that I was a Power Rangers fan when I was in school. Yeah, at the time. very much the same for me as well. Um the uh yeah it it wasn't the cool thing mm-hmm. um funny you talk about the spider-man and the x-men because the way the way it was broadcast it was a it was a saturday morning thing in mm-hmm. in the in the uk so if you had satellite tv you used to get like 10 a.m was i think they would reshow old g1 transformers then on at 11 a.m you would get either x-men or spider-man mm-hmm and then at 11.30, you'd get Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. So there was just this like two hour block of just my kind of television, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, did you ever have a, cause I had a time when I kind of eventually dropped off and I think it was when it got to Zio, that was when I started to get, uh, I was starting to get a little bit tired of it. And then mm-hmm. it was Turbo was finally the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And that was when I completely dropped out of the franchise. Um, yeah. How about, you, how about you? Do you have a time when you dropped out of it, or were you a fan of it all the way through? No, same here. Turbo was what was what killed it for me. As soon as soon as the 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 last of the original team left, mm-hmm. you know, once 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 my main man Tommy left, mm-hmm. I thought this doesn't feel like the same show anymore. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a funny thing because what you if you if you look into the background of it, Turbo feels extremely kind of goofy and mm-hmm. da- a major downgrade from Zio because Zio was very mystical, had a lot of elements of like, Egyptian mythology. The Gold Ranger had basically had a pyramid for a Zord, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was very sort of, it felt grander and more spectacular in a number of ways than season three of, of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers did. 
mm-hmm. but then Turbo was this major downgrade. And the explanation for that, I've later found in subsequent years, is that the show in Japan was actually supposed to be a parody of previous seasons. Oh, really? Wow. It was not intended to be taken seriously, but not understanding the language, not understanding the nuances of Japanese comedy, Saban took it and tried to adapt it anyway. And that's why a lot of people, even fans who stuck with the show after that, they feel that that is the weakest of all, like, the 23 seasons to date. Yeah, and um, so. something they pointed out in um, in the Toys That Made Us episode is that yeah. when the toys... Because one of the big selling points of Power Rangers has always been the toy line. Like, I think this is probably one of the last vestiges of that 80s crass commercialization where the, the show basically only existed as a half-hour commercial to promote the toys. Yeah, And this was kind of like the last hurrah of that kind of like marketing tactic. <clears throat> it seems to have kind of faded out since then. And, you know, good actually, because it was, you know, even though I, I bought all those toys, but, you know, looking back on it now, it's like, that was really fucking manipulative. And, yeah. um, but one of the things that happened, one of the reasons that Turbo had done so poorly was because the toys had done so poorly because mm. people had saw them because before you had these Zords, right? You had them, they were, they were animals that transformed into these humanoid robots, or they were, you know, dinosaurs or mythological beasts or all these really cool things, you know. Yeah. But then you had these ones, and they were cars that transformed into robots. And it's like, well, if I want a car that transforms into a robot, I'll just go with Transformers. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was a, like a big that was a big problem that the that the toy sellers had, and the toys just weren't really selling at this point. And plus you had that weird thing where you had that little kid in it too. And I saw, I didn't see the turbo movie, um, mm. but I did see the, I did, I started watching the uh, first few episodes of the turbo series. And I'm just like, Oh God, this is terrible. This kid is just so annoying. And I, at that point I was just like, I'm going to find something else to do now. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the fact that they kind of changed up the whole command center thing, getting rid of Zordon, getting rid of the original alpha, Mm-hmm. It just it felt like a completely different show, and I, I realized what they were trying to do. They were because the guys who had started in '93, like us, mm-hmm. we were getting by that point, we were coming on like 15, 16 years old, right? And we were probably too old for it, so they were readjusting it to go for the younger demographic again. Another but problem, it just they, didn't work, yeah. And yeah. another problem they had too was the um excuse me was the because the way that this was filmed it's actually kind of brilliant how how they had decided to put this together because what they had done was they had taken the japanese footage the action footage because they're all in masks and costumes the whole time anyway so you never see their faces so they took the japanese action footage and they spliced it in with scenes of american actors which has led to some kind of funny instances like i remember if you're watching the old series, you're always wondering how come Rita's mouth never matches anything she's saying. Yeah. Uh, um, but also they had things like, I remember the Green Rangers costume was the mo- the biggest offender of that, where he had, in the Japanese version, it was like this really cool, like really, you know, smooth shield that he had on. Mm-hmm. And then it would change sometimes mid-scene to like this really crappy discount looking thing. Yeah, the kind of gold foil thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. because they didn't have the budget to reproduce that same one. So <laughs> they had to make this crappy this crappy version instead. 
The other interesting thing about that is if you watch, um, of course, if you remember the original Ranger team, the Yellow Ranger and the Pink Ranger were, the, were our, our two girls on the team. That's right. And yet, whenever they morphed into their Ranger form, the Pink Ranger was quite clearly could easily have been the same person in the costume, even though it wasn't, right? Mm-hmm. Same, same proportions and had like the little sort of kind of skirt thing on her exactly. costume. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Right? Suddenly the Yellow Ranger's shoulders looked a lot broader. <laughs> and suddenly her, her and <laughs> yeah. she becomes flat chested all of a sudden. Yeah, sure. and you're like, yeah, that's because in Japan it was a guy. So exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had always wondered about that as a kid. I'm like, how come Kimberly wears a skirt when she transforms, but Trini doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was another interesting little little thing they had there. Um, mm. And and so what had happened was because they had used the the Zoo Ranger footage for mm. for the series for like the first three seasons, but in Japan they don't last that long. It's like each season is a different team and it's a different concept related to the Super Sentai. So they changed yeah. the cast, they changed the concept, and Saban was running out of of Zoo Ranger footage, and he was and he, and he was having to shoot more and more stuff in america and which was led to higher budgets and so then what he decided to do was well let's just change it up let's just have um do what they do in japan we'll change the cast out and everything and and that way we can keep using we'll have plenty of footage that we can keep using so that's when they Mm. did zeo and then um and then and turbo and so on and so forth Mm. yeah i mean from a from a business standpoint it made makes sense Mm -hmm. although to me it really did kind of ruin the continuity of the show yeah from what from what i understand they originally considered doing that at the start of season two mm-hmm. but by that point the movie was already in a pre-production and they they realized that the costumes were iconic mm-hmm. yeah and they thought they thought we can probably get away with changing the zords but we can't get away with changing up the the costumes as well right you know, that would just be too much that's a good segue to talk about the movie. So, um, what what do you remember about the movie when it first came out? Right. So I saw the movie in cinema in summer of '95, and it was well, I think it would have been July. Um, it was either <clears throat> June or July because I remember I saw that. And then a few weeks later, I saw Mortal Kombat, which came out <clears throat> in August of that year. Um, and. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it was a great experience just to see the, the Rangers on the big screen. But it was a bit jarring at first because, like you say, the costumes were different. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew who the White Ranger was because that I, I'd already seen that, I think, about January of that year it premiered mm-hmm. the White Ranger block. But a lot of kids in the audience hadn't. So the, there was a lot of kind of confused murmuring when, when Tommy morphed into the White Ranger initially. Mm-hmm. Um it was, I mean, you know, it was a, a movie marketed at kids and it was clearly the majority of people in the audience were kids, but there was a few adults who seemed to be getting into it and appreciating the fun of it as well, mm-hmm. you know? There's, there's a lot to be said for just sometimes going to the cinema and just enjoying a good, goofy action movie, you know? Right. And to me, this is the epitome of, you know, high production value, low story content simplistic <laughs> um simplistic 90s action movie you know that that's that's what this is to me yeah yeah i um i had a lot of the same things we didn't obviously we didn't have the problem with any confusion with tommy but um 
but I loved this movie when it came out. I thought the costumes were amazing. I thought the CGI Zords were incredible back then. <laughs> now, <Yeah>. though, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was watching it. I first, I had rewatched this movie. I think it like a, maybe like two or three years ago, it came out on Netflix or something. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> I had rewatched it then. And I'm just like, I'm like, oh, I remember this being really good and being like a big upgrade from the TV show. And then I watched it. I'm like, Ooh, some of these things have not aged as well as i thought they would have but it is it it is interesting to look back at it because um especially at that time period because this was 95 so like this was actually really this had pretty good production values for a superhero movie in that time period yeah absolutely i mean i mentioned um i i mentioned the mortal kombat movie Mm-hmm. If you look at the CGI of the Zords and then you look at the CGI of the reptile character. Oh, in God. That that, movie, yeah. That was yeah. another one that was Again, just terrible. Does, does mm-hmm. not hold up in the present day. But right. you can see it was clearly based off of the same tech at the yeah. time. You know, and for me, that's the one thing that really dates the movie. Exactly. I, yeah. I wish, I wish they'd gone practical with the, with the Zords. I really do. Yeah, there was this weird put because CGI, that kind of CGI technology was such a new thing at the time. And they really like every movie wanted to take advantage of it, even if it didn't really fit. So they had um, even Blade had it like Mm. yet the the climatic scene of Blade has Deacon Frost turning into this kind of like blood monster thing. And it was like looking at I remember looking at it at the time. It looked really cool. And that was in 98. And then yeah. going back and watching it now, it looks like, you know, cartoon jello or something. Yeah. yeah. Or even <laughs> um, uh, Spawn was another one that came out at, uh, around the same time, too, because they had mm. the this they had the CGI cape, which at the time looked amazing, but now looks terrible. Yeah, that that's that's a remake that I'm really looking forward to. Actually, I'd love to see what, what modern technology can do for Spawn. Yeah. Really interesting yeah. one. Um, but overall though, like even with the enhanced effects, I thought the suits were especially look really good at the time. Like I liked the new, like kind of armored look and even me at, you know, what I was 12 years old when this came out, I think. And mm. I thought, oh, that, that's so much more practical, right? Obviously yeah. they, it makes sense that they'd have armor. Um, although it is kind of interesting. I didn't realize this at the time, but they only, they're only in the Ranger costumes for a very short time in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like barely fifteen minutes. They mm-hmm. have that. They have their initial fight with the Ooze Men, mm-hmm. then they spend a good portion of the movie in their ninja costumes, right? Which are a, a, a forerunner to what was going to happen in season three of the show. Mm-hmm. And then um, you had, uh, yeah, at the, the big Zord battle at the end, where they're in their ranger form, but. Mm-hmm it's not really about them at that point. It's about the Zords. Right? right. They just teleport back and it's almost instantly they summon the Zords. Yeah. And there's no yeah. sort of like, yeah, this was because they did, they'd already done the, the fights with the henchmen. They had done one at the quarry. They'd done, they had done one with the ninja outfits. Then I guess at that point they figured, well, now we just got to go straight into the Zord action. Mm. Yeah. And that, that ended up becoming the kind of formula for season three of the show as well. You would have like the sort of henchman fight. Mm-hmm. The, the disposable henchmen, the, Teng- the Tengu tribe, you would fight them at, at, with the ninja. Well, costumes. it was the Tenga in the TV show because oh, that's right. they, had, yeah. uh, they had some copyright disputes. So, because 20th Century Fox produced this 
And yeah. so when they tried to do it um, on the TV show, Saban couldn't get the rights to use Tengu, so they had to use Tenga instead. Uh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so then you had what they would fight the, ten- the Tengas. Then the monster would show up and they would morph and then it would escalate to a Zord battle. That became mm-hmm. the kind of f- formula for season three. Um, and that's where, like you mentioned at the height of the show, where this the, the movie comes into that weird sort of non-canon, mm-hmm. but still using the same actors and characters. Um, because in season three, they get the ninja powers in a completely different way. I remember being really confused when that happened in the TV show, because I remember the when because the movie had come out you know between season two and season three i think and yeah when the when season three premiered i was i had no idea why they weren't using the ninja stuff why were they were still using the thunder zords i think it was at that time and then it and then when they did the ninja story and they had like that weird ninja robot or or whatever and i'm just like Mm -hmm. what is happening Yeah, um, I mean, it, to me, again, I use the Transformers example. If you remember mm-hmm. Transformers, the movie, same idea set between season two and three of the show. Yeah. But that was, now, whatever you may think of season three of that show, it was flawlessly integrated with the movie. Mm-hmm. Literally, the last 30 seconds of the movie becomes the first 30 seconds of season three, and they just go from there. Or also in um, the case of uh, the X-Files as well, another example at the time, right? The, mm-hmm. the movie had taken place between seasons of the TV show and yeah. what had happened in the movie was reflected in the TV show then. But yeah, yeah so th- this was a really weird thing because they had, it was the same actors, but it was completely different timeline, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um... Um, but one of the changes I really liked because looking back at the costumes now, they, they don't hold up so well, especially when you look at it from a more modern sensibility. They still do kind of look cheap in, in hindsight. But mm. um, one of the changes I really liked that they made, and this is something I could never understand as a kid, was the toys always had their, you know, their morphing animal or dinosaur or whatever. They always had that symbol on their chest. The TV show yeah. never had that. And then the movie yeah. put that in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a good addition. Um, of course, the one exception to that being the White Ranger. Yeah. He had his, yeah. Yeah. He had the um, weird symbol on it instead, which yeah. is also because the White Ranger was actually from a completely different series, apparently. Yeah. Which is why in the, in the Japanese footage, he never appears in the same scenes as the, as the, the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, looking back on it now, that is why in season two, so many times he would split off and go and have a one-on-one with another monster exactly. while the rest of the team were taking care of business. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also why his helmet is different, why his outfit is completely different from everybody else. And yeah, mm-hmm. it was a it was a real weird way that it, you gotta hand it to him for beat cr- the creative editing they did in it. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um yeah, now, and I think that yeah, sorry. Continue. No, sorry. Go go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, I think that the uh, that that was a. It was also a bit of a marketing risk that they took there because mm-hmm. the the. I don't know how, if it was the same in the states, but in Britain, everybody loved the Green Ranger. He oh. was like, he was the man. Absolutely. And yeah. even though you kept the same character, to to uh, to change him up and give him a completely new power set, completely new costume, whatever. That was risky, you know. Mm-hmm. It's 
again, using the example of Transformers, you know, your your season three Hot Rod and Ultra Magnus did not sell as well as Optimus Prime and Megatron, you know, mm. because they were not anywhere near as iconic. And I think there was a risk that the White Ranger wouldn't take as well as the Green Ranger had. But in the end, I think because the Tommy character was still there, mm. I think uh, fans eventually, you know, they, they embraced it. And, and the Zords were awesome, to be fair. The season two Zords are probably my favorite ones. They were really good, yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, and uh, I think also, I think that has kind of stayed because even in the in the new, in the Power Rangers comics that Boom Studios mm. does, they they brought him back as the Green Ranger, and I think that stuck for a good long while. In that, yeah, I mean, I know that in the in the uh, the Power Rangers uh, PS4 game Battle for the Grid, which mm. is based off of those those comics, um, yeah, that I mean, there only are I, th- I think it's only as in terms of Mighty Morphin, there is only the Green Ranger and the Red Ranger are the two that made the cut as like yeah. on the main character roster. Um, and, you know, you can unlock a skin to play as the White Ranger, but it's clearly that the character is the Green Ranger if you play through the story mode and whatever, you know. Right, right. <clears throat> um, so what were some thoughts of yours re-watching this movie now, you know, like over 20 years later after the fact, or 30 years now, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing is that you have to watch it from the perspective of, this is a kid's show, but I'm mm-hmm. not a kid anymore. Yeah. Um, and I I rewatched the the TV show uh, back during the during the summer there mm-hmm. because um, obviously with our current situation I couldn't travel anywhere during summer so I mostly right. stayed at, stayed at home and watched movies and stuff so I, I ended up doing a rewatch of the the Power Rangers and um, the uh, the movie really to me it still has the charm doesn't have the effects doesn't have the the aesthetic as we mm-hmm. you know as as we said the costumes <laughs> don't quite hold up the zord battle looks like a playstation one video game mm-hmm. um, and i think is, even that was be it would be generous yeah yeah um and it's uh you know though those but you have to just kind of get past that and look at and if you're a fan you look for things to like in mm-hmm. a movie you know i mean Paul Freeman as a villain, he's always watchable. Yeah. You know? He he brought the same energy and the same sl- literal sliminess to Ivan Ooze that he brought to Belloc in uh, mm-hmm. in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Um the, the guy just he he he's he's one of those go-to actors that you can always depend on to deliver a good intimidating villain, you know. I think um, it, it kind of works in against the the favor of the movie though, because Paul Freeman is so clearly outclassing everybody else in this movie. True. true I mean, very and, true. and it's like you, you're almost rooting for Ivan Ooze because he's so much <laughs> more watchable than everybody else. And he has so much more personality than the rest of the, than the, than the actual heroes do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing about that is that um, that is something that's, that's almost a kind of a trope that I think has emerged in modern superhero movies as well like nine times out of ten the villain is just as if not more compelling than the hero i think it was probably um well an argument could be made for superman the movie and gene hackman's luther but i think it was jack nicholson and batman that really started that trend 
because ever since then it's always been the villain has overshadowed the hero like you had mm. you had you had nicholson in batman you had um uh danny devito and michelle pfeiffer in batman returns it, after this one you know in batman forever you had um jim carrey and, and tommy lee jones arnold schwarzenegger and yeah. batman and robin so yeah there has been this trend for a long time and then it kind of stopped after batman and robin for a while but it is starting mm. to come back what with tom hiddleston and um michael b jordan and, and those types of guys yeah um i mean actually for me the you might disagree but an, er an earlier example of that for me was the original highlander movie oh yeah that's a good one i too. mean the, the clancy brown is the kurgan he just totally steals every scene that he's in in that movie yeah, yeah. i mean and clancy brown is just amazing in everything mm. and he um it's funny though, but he wasn't really a big name at that time. So I think, um, but I'm, in terms of big name actors, I think it was that really started with uh, with Batman. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. Um, and but yeah, um, and it is. Yeah. yeah, that was my biggest problem rewatching because I could deal with the a lot of the cheesiness. Um, mm. One of the things I kept finding myself doing in my head was comparing it to the first Ninja Turtles movie because both of them have kind of like a similar <clears throat> type of vibe where it's it's this superhero martial arts thing. It's supposed to be for kids. Whereas Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it really did a good job of finding a way to kind of please all audiences. It was fun for the kids, but adults could enjoy it too. We covered that, you know, back in um, one of the earlier episodes of this show. Mm -hmm. And and my co my late co-host had um he was an older guy so he didn't grow up with like ninja turtles right he was already yeah. an adult when that came out so he didn't have any of that association that nostalgia association that i had with it but even mm -hmm. still when we watched that movie he really enjoyed it i don't yeah. think he would have enjoyed power rangers as much right i think no. this is something that it's it's got such a nostalgia factor and you had to have been a kid at the time to have really enjoyed yeah. it i think yeah, I, I think that, like, like you say, I think guys out with our immediate generation, um, if you didn't enjoy the show as a kid, I think you're probably not going to enjoy the movie. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a, to me, it's, it's the same as like when I, when I watch old episodes of Star Trek Next Generation, you almost mm -hmm. feel as if you're checking in with old friends mm -hmm. whenever you watch one of these episodes, you know, or, or this movie. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting that you you, you bring up the uh, the comparison with Turtles because um, the uh, Ninja Turtles movie, I agree with you, they really got the balance between action, humor, and just the right level of dark. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shredder as a villain is so much more sinister than anything the Power Rangers would do. Absolutely, you know? yeah. They, they kind of tried to do that with Lord Zed when they first brought him in. But apparently, a lot of parents complained that he was too scary. Exactly, yeah. And so then they kind of made him goofier after that. Yeah, which is a shame because that first, that first sort of uh, twenty to thirty episodes of Zed being full on evil, it really was. He was a great villain. Oh yeah, I and at the time I, when that that first that that even even now that stands out to me is that first reveal of Lord Zed with the chair turning. And him yeah. just sit, like I'm just like oh my god this guy looks badass as hell yeah 
Absolutely. So, so yeah, I yeah, and it would have been nice if they had kept something something like that. Although they did a break, there's a little bit of that here, at least in the design. I like, I really like the kind of like more detailed design they use for Zed in this movie. Yeah, um, actually, they in I mean, I'm, I I don't watch it anymore, but in in the current season of of Power Rangers, they have apparently brought Lord Zed back. Oh, okay. And I'm kind of disappointed that they went with the TV show design rather than the movie design because mm-hmm. the movie design does look so much more intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, see, uh, the, but yeah, the, the, the one thing that stands out to me, especially when you're talking about the turtles comparison is that the turtles each had clear individual personalities. Apparently my daughter agrees with me. Uh, (laughs) um, but they had they had such individual personalities and that's really what makes that that um that movie stand out even more like even Mm. and well i mean the the effects are still great like they still work really well those practical suits and the puppetry they had used but but another thing too is like it's hard to forgive a lot of it with the turtles with with the power rangers especially because watching this movie and watching the scenes of them on Fados or when then they're, they're hanging out together, they just have no personality. Like none of these characters really stands out. No, they're all basically color coded templates of each other. Yeah, It's like generic teenager, number one, generic teenager, number two, you know, um... I think the only one who even co- who comes close is probably Kimberly. And that's because Amy Jo Johnson is probably the only actor in the bunch and she's the only one who had an actual acting career after this show. Yeah, yeah, I think that that that's that's very true. Um, she, um, yeah, if if you think that Paul Freeman is is exponentially above everybody else in the movie, I think yeah, Amy Jo is definitely a cut above the rest of the Ranger team. Um, it also brought back some memories because I had such a crush on her when I was a kid. <laughs> I think I think I think we all did, my yeah. friend. I think we all did. <laughs> uh, so that, yeah. that definitely brought back some memories. Mm. <laughs> um, it was also real weird that they had had um, this new guy in the in the villain because they had brought back, you know, Zed and Rita and Goldar, but yeah. they didn't have the other like what was it, Babu and Squat, the two bumbling guys, or the the monster maker who, whose name I forget. Finster. And yeah. Finster, that was it, yeah. yeah. And they, but those guys were all gone. They weren't in this, but they had this new pig-like guy named Mordant who yeah. was never seen from again after this. And I thought that was really weird. I was, the entire time I'm wondering, when I was a kid, I was wondering like, who the hell even is this guy? Mm. You know, if there's anybody listening out there who has a Mordant figure in good condition, they are worth quite a lot now because that figure was on the market for such a short time. Mm-hmm. Um, he was only available basically during the marketing period of the movie, which was about a, about a sort of three month window. And I'm guessing he uh, sold he sold for shit too. That's which is why they probably didn't keep him in production. Yeah, probably. I mean, he was definitely not a not a very memorable or particularly charismatic character. Um, I really don't. It's one of them. You think, why did they do that? Because um, you could literally have just had Goldar there, and that was exactly all yeah. It would have been. Needed. It was. You know? um, I, apparently, there were some budgetary reasons or something. W- one of the interesting things I too I found out when I was uh, doing some research in this is that the 
the people the the crew involved in this like the director and the writer and all that they had never seen the tv show before they oh. got this show and then they had done kind of like so what it says here is they had done kind of like a fast forward watch uh of the tv show mm. um interesting um and yeah, in fact although- they were originally because there's there are going to be some more changes like the they had originally did not want to have the total face covering for the for the masks for the helmets and mm. so they initial shooting had had the actors in helmets but there were no visors on the helmets and then they realized afterwards they realized that that was that was a mistake so then they went back and they reshot it mm. yeah it's an interesting one because again the that is a recurring problem with masked heroes particularly mm. if you watch the spider-man movies there's right. always some excuse where his mask has to get ripped at some point mm-hmm. so that the actor can emote you know yeah iron um, man what had got around to that in a really in really clever way by having the scene the the close-ups of robert downey's face in the in the in the suit yeah yeah and that was how they got around because there was talk about doing iron man for a while it's like well how are we going to do iron man when his face is covered all the time uh, but even with other heroes too, like you see in, in the Captain America movies, every time he's got a scene where his mask gets pulled off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Funnily enough, the only one who I think doesn't really do that is Batman. Um, yeah. Well, I think a big part of that is because his eyes and his mouth are visible. So it's a lot easier to, to still kind of emote. Um, yeah. In the case of Captain America, I just think it's, you know, they're the producers are probably like, look, we paid for Chris Evans' face. We got to show Chris Evans' face. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. I mean, yeah. nobody's nobody's going to see the Batman movies from Michael Keaton's face. You know, as nice as good of an actor as it is, they're not as interested in, it, in his face as they are as his talent. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> so yeah, um, so with 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 this movie as well, though, I think the whole. Um, the whole traveling to 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 Thedos to get mm. their their new powers, that part of the movie kind of it kind of drags a little bit for me. Yeah, same here. I felt the same thing. I found myself looking at my phone a lot during those parts. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I really I really do like the the ninja costumes. I think those because they're not um, that they're, they're they're just basically suits rather than rather than full on costumes and right. kind of. They that the, the costumes in that respect still hold up for me. I think they still look good and they're color they're they're bright and colorful and um you know I definitely the 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 following months after that I I, I made a point of buying all the Ninja Ranger figures because I thought they looked awesome. Yeah, know? I had I had too. Um yeah, those those costumes look really good. They still do hold up a lot better than the than the Ranger the actual Ranger suits do. Um, yeah. But the whole Fados thing, one thing I found was really strange is they're on an alien world, but the spirit animals are all from Earth. <laughs> and it's and the animals yeah. that are they're all conveniently fit these rangers spirit a- animals exactly. Because so I, I thought the, <laughs> looking back, I'm just like, wait a second, some of this stuff. Also, I remember that one scene when Tommy does his ninja corkscrew kick. I'm like, you've never trained in these things before. How do you already have a special move prepared for it? Yeah. Uh, it's like, you have you do, again, like I said, good, goofy yeah. action movie. You've got to just switch your brain off and enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, um, also, yeah. I thought the, the little kid in this movie, Fred, 
this kid annoyed the shit out of me. I mean, even when yeah. I, even when I first watched this movie, I was, I thought, why the hell is this little Brad in the movie? Yeah. It, it, again, trope of movies of that time. You mm. always had to have the irritating 12 year old kid who somehow saves the day. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that all kind of started with Wesley Crusher, didn't it? <laughs> um, I'm not sure which came out. It might have been Short Round, I think, in uh, Temple of Doom. Oh, actually, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because that was a couple of years early. Yeah, earlier. yeah. yeah. Although yeah. Short Round was nowhere near as annoying as most of the kids' sidekicks are. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, and I do kind of feel sorry for Will Wheaton because he still gets ribbed about that to this day, and he was just he was just working with what he was given, you know. <laughs> Although interestingly, um, you know who uh, they originally wa- who's up for the the part of Fred in this movie? Uh, no, who was that? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a way to make you feel old. <laughs> Joseph oh Gordon-Levitt was old enough to fit that part at that time. Oh my God. God. Wow, imagine if he'd have got that. That could have really changed things up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the Zord fight though, that is still the mm. one thing that I can forgive a lot of stuff in this movie, but that that the CGI used in the big Zord fight is just so bad. And you know, when even when they merge into the when they merge into the Megazord, the Ninja Megazord, mm. it just looks incomprehensible yeah yeah um I, that that was a thing uh, uh, something which really kind of annoyed me about the um about the more recent the 2017 power rangers movie as well yeah. was that the megazord is supposed to look like a humanoid robot mm-hmm. you know um and in both cases to me it, it didn't it just looked like this giant sort of uh walking tank kind of thing you know yeah yeah i mean i really like the the reboot movie but i did not like the design of the megazord in that no um yeah the reboot movie is some maybe something we'll discuss on a future show but i i did not care for that movie at all i'm afraid i really um it actively annoyed me in a lot of places. Really? See, <laughs> yeah. for me, it, it it had solved a lot of the problems i had with this movie where mm. um it had been it was sufficiently I thought it was it was still sufficiently like kid friendly, but it also mm. it had some darkness to it, and it had um, the characters had individual personalities, which was something mm. I felt that this one really lacked. And, and God, Elizabeth Banks chewing every single all the scenery in, in in sight was just was just so much fun to watch for me. Well, again, it's all about the charismatic over the top villain, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's a shame that movie never got a sequel because although I don't like that movie personally, I saw enough in it that I thought there's things they could develop here, you know. Um, yeah, it, it. But one of the things I thought that, and I liked that what it did is that it did kind of make an attempt to kind of grow up the franchise, but it didn't go to the extreme that the Power Rangers fan film from several years back went to. Yeah, I didn't like that. That's that was that just was. way too much. It was, and it was so mean spirited. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, that uh, that's a thing about modern superhero cinema in general that I don't like. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that might upset a lot of your listeners here, but <laughs> it, it's just my opinion, right? Go for it. I do not like the Dark Knight. 
Oh, really? Okay. Right? I do not like The Dark Knight at all. For me, it is a two and a half hour essay on misery and depression, right? Mm. And to me, I want to come when I go and watch a superhero movie, like like the Power Rangers. I want to mm. come out of the movie feeling, yes, the good guys kicked ass, we mm. won. I, I I'm elated, you know. Mm. Came out of the Dark Knight feeling like I wanted to go and hang myself. It was such a depressing movie, you know. See, I don't have that problem with the Dark Knight, but I did feel that way after Batman v Superman. Like that was just yeah unrelentingly dark and like this the snyder stuff in general is just i i utterly despise it um and for a lot mm. of the same reasons you say so i don't dark knight i like i think that kind of for me at least that kind of skirted the line it hasn't held up as well in my estimation like i don't think it's as amazing when i rewatch it i don't think it's as amazing as i did when i first saw it mm. um the holes kind of come through a little bit more now but it's still um, it does. It doesn't have that same utterly bleak feeling that the dark that Batman v Superman left me with. Yeah, um, Batman v Superman was. Um, what I would say in in that movie's defense, though, we're getting a bit off topic here, but humor <laughs> me. If if you watch that and then watch the the Snyder cut of Justice League, kind of back to back, it works as a complete narrative so much better. Oh, it does. The, and the 2017 Justice League. Because the 2017 Justice League is just... It's almost like Power Rangers in a sense. It's just like throw in all the characters, but don't really develop any of them. Have a big over-the-top villain, but let's not animate him properly. <laughs> you know, and it, and it all just kind of goes downhill from there. You know? Yeah, one thing I will say in defense of the, of the Whedon cut of Justice League is that they actually got Superman right in that one. So he actually yeah. feels like Superman in that one, whereas in in the Snyder Cut, he's back to maiming people, and and so so I for even though it's it's a total mess, it's a total Frankenstein, as um, mm. as uh, another guest Adam Garcia had said before, it's I forgive a lot of it just because it got Superman right, and it gave it gave Henry Cavill even bad CG lip and all. Henry Cavill yeah. got a chance to play Superman the way he's supposed to be played. He was charming. He was he was kind, but he was and he wasn't just like relentlessly depressing or violent all the time. So I forgive that version of Justice League just for that because at yeah. least it gave me that Superman on the big screen. I would completely agree with that because it's like we we toddled around for two and a half movies, then we finally got the superman that i went to the cinema to see originally when man of steel came out you know? exactly yeah yeah but anyway back to power rangers yeah yeah <laughs> um, um yeah so um the the zord battle i did like the um i liked the idea of how they brought the comet into it at the end mm -hmm. the, the climax i thought that was quite a that actually showed quite quite good creativity because as soon as the because in the in the show, it was always the power sword that took right, down yeah, the yeah. monster, right? 30 seconds into the Zord fight, the power sword gets wrecked. And you're mm -hmm. like, oh God, what are they gonna do now? They don't have a power sword. Yeah. Um, they don't have the 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 you know the the DSX machina to take out the mm -hmm. villain like they do every week. Which um, always made you wonder why why none of the villains had ever thought maybe we should find a way to counter the power sword. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this keeps happening all the time. You'd think we should do something about that. 
I uh, see Goldar was a smart, a smart one. As soon as that power sword showed up, he was out of there, you know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, you're right. Was... That was that was a clever usage. Another thing I think that I liked about it is we actually saw it actually we actually saw how they were piloting the Zords because that always kind of maybe I was always wondering like where the hell are the cockpits in these things in the in the tv show because it's never clear right it's always just like this clear image of the cockpit but you don't see like you don't see where it is in relation to the zord here they showed it like they had zoom ins on them and the cockpits and all that so i really like that aspect of it nice little throwback as well when they first get into their zords and kimberly says nice stereo Mm mm-hmm because that was the same line that she used when she got into her first Zord in episode one of the TV show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually did wonder with the with the Zords. Um, I noticed what I thought was a Superman the movie reference in there. Oh, really? What was that? When um, when the monorail is out and Tommy pilots the Falcons. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To complete the train line. Yeah. So the kids can go over. I just went straight back to, to Superman doing that with the express train. Mm-hmm. That was another, earthquake. that was another good thing too. In that, you know, it's, it shows them actually, and this was a big problem I had with uh, man of steel is that it mm. shows them actually saving people, which you never yeah. really saw on the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, it was, it, you know, it showed you that there was clearly, while you can you can say that the story is 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 weak, the characters are formulaic, whatever. Mm-hmm. There was clearly some thought and some quite good writing went into different aspects of this movie. Yeah, you know, you you can definitely see where creativity has come in because mm-hmm. I don't know if that was intended as a Superman homage, but that was how I read it. You know, even back in '95, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember Superman doing that. You know. Um, I mean, I think and, it had to have been. There, I don't. It's it's way too similar for it not to have been a Superman homage. I think. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the uh, the whole again, it's that thing of like not quite adult humor, but something that adults will find funny. You know, the, <laughs> when he when they basically knee Ivan in the balls to send oh. him in front of the comet. You know, the thing I found so funny about that is that it was for emergency use only. <laughs> To use I, the ball strike. <laughs> there's a specific ball breaker button <laughs> on the on the Megazord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was <laughs> uh, <laughs> another that thing was... I another thing I thought was kind of weird was the fact that Ivan Ooze's plan to unearth his robots. I couldn't understand why he needed the parents to do it when he's got when he can create these creature these you know these bruisers out of ooze himself so i I never really Mm. quite understood why he needed them to do it and another thing i thought was weird was um well i do remember too there's this one when all the the parents are mind controlled and they're walking out there's this one lady in the crowd who is like dressed in the most ridiculous outfit ever i'm watching it last night with my wife and i'm just like what is she wearing (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if you caught that, but it was just yeah. There was a uh, there, there was a few extras who I think didn't quite take the direction they were supposed to in that scene. There's yeah. a couple of people walking the wrong way if you watch it as well. 
Um, but also there's another part too in that he's the, the scene when he's in the quarry with Goldar and he says, um, he's like, we have to get them unearthed. He's like, I wish they would work faster. And then he stops one of them from working to, to do the weird, to do the dancing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, classic villain trope. Stay on mm. task, man. Don't monologue. Stay on <laughs> task. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. But I think we can both agree that Ivan Ooze is definitely the highlight of this movie, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. Paul Freeman just, he steals every scene he's in. He's the, he's the most entertaining thing about this movie. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, overall, I still think it's a good movie. It's mm. one that, um, you know, it, it's one that if I could find a Japanese subtitle version of it, I, would, I wouldn't hesitate to show to my students mm -hmm. you know i think because because we'd usually do that in my in my school job at christmas time we'll watch a movie you know okay you usually home alone because the kids love home alone oh um, god but um but we're gonna you know i was thinking i might try and see if i can get an old japanese blu-ray of, of power rangers and maybe show them it just to see mm -hmm. what they think of it you know um, you might be able to find um if you have a if you if you have a downloaded version of it you might be able to find it on like iTunes or something like that. Um, mm. Or, uh, or you might be able to find, sometimes they have Japanese subtitles floating around on the internet. So you might be able to find something like that. Um, yeah. That's, use, that's, Cause I have, yeah. I have my entire, I, I had ripped my entire movie library and I, and I run it through Plex on my, on my home sharing. And, mm. and um, a lot of these movies I have, right. They're, they were American DVDs. They don't have Japanese subtitles and, mm. um, but what Plex has, they have a subtitle search option. So even if there's something that doesn't have Japanese subtitles for my wife, I can mm -hmm. search and about like 60, 70% of the time, there'll be a Japanese subtitle option that we can find. All right. I'll need to look into that. That's, uh, mm -hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. yeah I, for me, I think if you were a fan of Power Rangers, I mm. think you'll, and you have, and I don't, if you were a fan of Power Rangers, I don't see any reason why you haven't seen this movie already because. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you were, or if you've only discovered it recently, like through the comic book or something like that, then it might be worth a watch. I'd say if you're not really, if you don't really have that kind of, if this, if the Power Rangers doesn't really tickle that nostalgia bone for you, I don't mm. think you would enjoy this movie. I, I would, yeah, I would, I would say that I would agree, but I would, I would add the caveat that if you're one of those guys like me who, who watches superhero movies for mm -hmm. the great villain performances, yeah, I think it's almost, it's almost worth watching just for Ivan Ooze. Yeah, that I would agree with that. It, it comes um, very close to almost being worth it just for him alone. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's up there with, uh, oh, I mean, you know, it, it's like you say, when you've got an actor of his caliber surrounded by a bunch of well, pretty much non-actors, mm -hmm. it, it perhaps makes him look better than he is. But in Paul Freeman's case, I don't believe that. I genuinely think he was just such a superb, mm -hmm. a superb actor who played that role. And, and the thing is, you can tell he's having so much fun with it. Yeah, he definitely gets the award for how the hell did this guy end up in this movie? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It's like Patrick um, Stewart and Ted, right? You're like, why are you yeah. in this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Although it was quite funny to hear Patrick Stewart swearing. Oh, I, I, I never I, actually. I thought it was hilarious, <laughs> but it's like you're watching it, and like you know, you know, Shakespearean trained thespian Patrick Stewart, and he's and he's doing dick joke voiceovers. <laughs> yeah. For Alan Rickman and Dogma is another one where it's just like I don't understand how how you got how how you're in this when you're you should be doing something else. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's, and not I, and not a knock to those movies. I I love those movies, but it's just like they don't seem like a good fit at all. Uh, but I actually have a lot of res- I've got a lot of respect for actors who are willing to, in a sense, lower themselves to that. You know, they're yeah. not they're, they're not beyond self parody. Exactly. Um, same they're here. not. They're not beyond having a having a joke at themselves. And clearly, Paul Freeman knew this was just some goofy kids movie. Oh yeah. And yet he flew into it head first, and he really went for it. You know? And you know, and he and he commit because he had to do like, and he wasn't you know half assing it. Like he had to do seven hours of makeup a day for this. You know, yeah. compare that to like Jennifer Lawrence in the in the X Men movies where she had to suddenly develop an allergy to the makeup all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, there's definitely a there's a there's a greater um there's a there's a you got to admire the commitment of some mm-hmm. of these actors even if you don't necessarily appreciate the movies you know. Well, I will I say mean, that too, especially about Jason David Frank. Like he is remained so com- maybe it's because there's not a whole lot of other stuff for him to do, but <laughs> but he he really seems to really love like this franchise, which is why he stayed involved in it so much over the years. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've actually got a signed print from him up on my wall. Oh, yeah. Um, which um, my, my brother got me at a Comic Con in Scotland a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, he, um, yeah, he, he's a great ambassador for the franchise as well. Mm. He, not because from what I've been reading about it, not only what did, did he basically start the whole thing of like, you know, going to Comic Cons and meeting mm-hmm. fans and tapping into that nostalgia, but he also brought other actors from that from the show and from that era into all that yeah and enc- encouraged them because they a lot of them had moved on and not even you know they weren't even actors anymore some of them had become like um you know t- teachers or instructors um yeah i remember you know. i'd seen some documentary i think it was um the guy who played uh jason brian austin green i think is his name Austin St. John. Austin yeah. St. Brian Austin Green is another actor. Complete. I always get those two <laughs> names mixed up. Austin yeah. St. John. Yeah, he had, he was like a firefighter for a while, and apparently, I think he was even in Afghanistan too. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he was a firefighter paramedic. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like you say, he did. He did. He did his bit for the military as well. And um, the guy who played the black who played Zach Walter mm-hmm. Jones, I think. Um, yeah. He had he had become like an instructor, like. Ty Bo was basically originally his thing. He had called it hip hop keto back in the day. Yep, yep, I remember that. Um, and um, the uh, David Yost, who had played Billy, he oh god, that was a that was a tragic story for him because he he quit because like the the production crew kept harassing him about being gay. Yeah, and yeah. he apparently wasn't the actors. Apparently, the actors, the other actors, had actually been supportive of him, and he had good mm-hmm. relationships with them. But like the other actors would be pulled in by like um, by like uh, the producers, and they'd be asked about his sexuality all the time. And yeah, and he had just gotten so tired of it that he had quit, and he had, and it had been such a destructive environment for him that he had tried conversion therapy. 
right? Yeah, and, it's and it yeah. almost drove him to suicide. And it was, you know, it's terrible. And um since then, like he had come out of it and he he he'd become like a producer. He had, he, he strangely enough, he was one of the producers on uh Temptation Island, which was this reality TV show a few years back <laughs> about which like the complete as far away from Power Rangers as you could possibly get. Yeah. And the funny thing is, he he has in recent years started doing the the um the convention circuit again as well. Yeah. And from my understanding, it, it was it was Jason Frank that brought him into it. Mm-hmm. Um, which you got to say, props to that guy because from from what I understand, uh, having read about him, he you know he's he's a conservative. Mm-hmm. He you know he he <laughs> he likes his guns and whatever, mm-hmm. but. It didn't stop him from having a very good friendship and helping out a mm-hmm. guy who he who he knew was gay, you know, which just yeah. shows that you don't you don't have to necessarily be a bigot to be a be a conservative, you know. So right. I, I I I'm not going to agree with the guy politically, but I certainly respect him for for doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, and unfortunately. Uh, Tui Trang, unfortunately, never. She she looked. She was on her way to having mm. some decent Hollywood um, performances because she was in the the second Crow movie and she did a pretty good job in that. But then she, you know, she had died in a car accident. I think before even that movie was released. Yeah, I think she was only what 27, 28? something really, like that. Yeah, really tragic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually funny thing. I was I was I was an odd kid that way because everybody was crushing on the Pink Ranger and Kimberly was was gorgeous, but, mm-hmm. but Trini Trini was my girl. I, I, I yeah, Trini, Trini was the one I I had the hots for back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you had said I, one last thing I wanted to ask about before we close up is you had said you had watched some of the Japanese ones um, and just like mm-hmm. how different they how how do they compare? Like what what do you think of the Japanese ones? Well, now remember, I'm I'm coming at this uh, as someone who's you know as of yesterday lived in Japan for 15 years. So mm-hmm. I um I can appreciate a lot of the cultural nuances and the uh, like why people act a certain way as they mm-hmm. do in the show. It to 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 someone from Europe or the US coming into it who has no prior knowledge of Japanese sort of culture or how the Japanese approach TV. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're, they would think it was over the top, yeah. melodramatic and kind of well, kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. But I I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, one of the things was like the relationship between the Red Ranger and the Green Ranger is completely different in the Japanese version. Right. Um. They they're actually brothers. Mm-hmm. and they are rivals and initially the reason the green ranger is a villain is because he feels inferior to his brother mm, and okay. they have this kind of set to but in the end up they make peace and <laughs> towards the end of the series the green ranger actually you know in our version he just temporarily lost his powers right and in, in the japanese version he dies i mean mm-hmm. they actually they actually kill off the green ranger which is mm-hmm. really uh, you know unthinkable in mm-hmm. um in our in, in in the American version. And um the uh the other thing was that the villains were so much darker. Um, yeah. uh Bandora, as she was known in Japan, Rita mm-hmm. Repulsa, um, she full on makes a pact with the devil mm-hmm. in order to defeat the Power Rangers. Okay. Um 
if you remember the uh, towards the end of season one, what was originally supposed to be the finale of the series was a two-part episode called Doomsday, mm-hmm. where the Rangers fight Golgar and Cyclopsis in his... Cyclopsis was Golgar's Zord, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? And then this this mysterious head-in-the-sky monster called Lokar shows up to, to back them up. Mm-hmm. And um, Lokar is just seen as exponentially more powerful than any other villain. And that's because in the Japanese version, Lokar literally was Satan. Okay. And so... The, the the Japanese series ended in a similar way with them taking down Cyclopsis and whatever, but they 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 literally destroyed the avatar of Satan at the end mm-hmm. of the series, and I thought that is that's a really really dark path to go down for a kids' TV mm-hmm. show. You're yeah, you're getting you're getting to spawn territory at that point, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've been interested in um, in seeing the the original one, um, especially because I think they're. If you use a VPN, some of those episodes are actually available for free on, um, on like the the official Ranger homepage or whatever. Mm. Um, so I've I've been curious to check that. I think I'm just I'm I think I might just wait until my daughter's actually a little bit older to actually, and then probably watch it with her. Probably what I what I'll be what I do. They did um they did actually release the complete Zoo Ranger series on I think it was. I think it was DVD a couple of years ago. Well, I know, yeah, um, I know it's out there because I have seen it at Sataya and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but if you know, with the VPN, if I could watch it, I, I can watch it for free by making the the Ranger homepage think I'm in the U.S. That's a lot easier. <laughs> that, that is true. Because yeah. then I don't have to, I don't have to dig up subtitles for it either. Well, the other that's what I was going to say. Amazon has an English subbed version of it. Oh, okay. okay. But it's quite expensive. I think it's something like eight or nine thousand yen. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Considering I only paid four thousand yen for the box, the the European box of seasons mm-hmm. one, two, and three, you know, it's quite a quite a lot to pay for one season. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. I would recommend that if you're, like I say, if you're a fan of the original and you want to mm-hmm. see it done just a little bit differently. Um, one eh. thing though, the idea of Goldar and Scorpina being a couple is weird. Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's weird. See, um, even as a kid, I knew something was up with that, right? Because yeah. I, and I could tell, and I and then I found out at, later on that they were a couple in the original one. I'm like, oh, that makes total sense now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah one my, more my thing thought, is, my, my thought was, Scorpina, you're 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 too beautiful. You can do yeah, much better than that, girl. Yeah, Come on. Jesus. <laughs> um, another thing too is um, the uh, the comic book. You you've read the the Boom Studios comics, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, Shattered Grid is is excellent. So, really. you, as someone who is, you know, you dug the rewatch of the TV show, you've read the comics. How do the comics compare to the TV show? Is it is it as like kishy as the TV show, or does it find like a, a more updated balance? It's definitely more more updated, and it's it's gone. There is a a little bit of that Dark Knight element in terms of making mm-hmm. it darker and grittier to appeal to a more mature audience. Because whereas, you know, the current TV series is, I watched one episode of it last week when I heard that Lord Zed was coming back just to mm-hmm. see what was going on. And it was, in all honesty, it was barely watchable. Because okay. it, it, it's, it's aimed at seven-year-olds, right? That's mm-hmm. the reality of it. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, 
the comics are clearly aimed at guys like us, guys mm. who grew up with the original show and would like to see a continuation of stories about those characters, mm-hmm. but with a more mature twist. Yeah. Um, and the Boom Studios actually strike the balance very well, I think, in mm-hmm. that there's nothing in there that's, I mean, there's no gratuitous sex or violence or anything. Mm-hmm. So kids who are watching Power Rangers now could still pick up these comics and enjoy them. Right, so but, it's not like, not like the fan film. No, not at all, not at mm-hmm. all. But there's higher stakes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people get killed. You know, it's it's on the same level as, like, I would say a, a Spider-Man or a Superman comic. Okay. You know? right. and yeah, I, I've been I, meaning to check it out, but unfortunately it's... First, I have to use my VPN anytime I, I look for it on, on Comixology because the way the, the rights work is Saban has the rights to the, the Super Sentai stuff everywhere except Asia. Yes. So, yeah. so like if I, if I change my VPN, set it to the US, the Boom Studio stuff comes up on Comixology right away. If I don't have my VPN on, then it doesn't show up at all. Yeah. Yeah. I've, 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 uh, I've had similar issues trying to watch, um, trying to watch a couple of different things mm. that were, you know, the rights issues and what have you. But um, I would also just say that the, um, I don't know if you know about this, but Saban have said, well, it's, I think it's now Hasbro actually that owns Power Rangers. Yeah, Saban sold it to Hasbro a few years ago. And back. they've said that this current iteration will be the last time that they use Japanese footage. That's right. Yeah, I, I was are. reading. I was reading last night that they've got someone who is like doing like a whole kind of imagining like a, a new like kind of reboot universe for the Power Rangers for like everything for like films for tv and he's kind of like mapping it all out so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that yeah and i i and one of the rumors is that they are going to do a more a more adult centric tv series right that's what i've read now, too. now i'm not going to spoil it for people that haven't read it but if all i'll say is if they do those if they do that and they do not make lord draken the main villain that is unforgivable mm-hmm. because Lord Draken is one of the best, most intimidating, most, but also at the same time, most kind of sympathetic villains I've ever read in a comic book. Mm-hmm. There, there are so many layers to the guy. He's a cold-blooded murderer. He's literally committed genocide. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's just Tommy the Green Ranger who took one wrong turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that that's all the character is. One thing that happened to the Tommy in our universe didn't happen to him. He didn't have friends when he needed them. Mm-hmm. And that drove him to become this completely insane villain who literally kills everybody in his own universe and then starts hunting in our universe. Yeah, I'm I I'd heard about the I'd heard about that story and and I that made me really interested in seeing like, you know, and going back and, and looking into this series. Um and I've just been waiting for it to actually come on sale on Comixology so I can pick up the books. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But, uh. but so when that happens, then I'll, I'm hopefully, because the problem is boom, because Comixology has lots of sales. Marvel and DC run sales on there constantly. Boom almost never runs sales. And when they do, they're not really that impressive, right? It's like, yeah. you know, it's like a buck or two cheaper than what it normally is. So I haven't yeah. really been 
willing to to kind of spend the money on it yet but maybe we'll once i finish up my massive to read pile i'll eventually get there i remember that used to be an issue with the with the transformers idw comics back in the day as well mm-hmm. they were always that bit more expensive and i think it was simply because they were a more limited print run with it being a smaller company yeah could be um i think it i think with with yeah that could be it and then, and then with the digital stuff they're trying to price match it so yeah, because I, I know that was an issue when digital first started coming out was the fact that comic stores were worried that they'd be undercutting the print sales. Yeah. So they yeah. intentionally, I think at first, in fact, the digital comics were intentionally more expensive than the print ones. Mm. That's changed now. And now digital is cheap, is the same price, um, except for when it's on sale. But, mm. um, but anyway, uh, I think that about does it for wraps up our discussion about, about Power Rangers. Um, so Liam, anything you want to promote, tell people where they can find you online. Uh, yeah. If, uh, if you guys want to give me a, give me a follow on Twitter, it's at Liam six, seven, eight, three. Um, always happy to engage with people. would love to hear feedback on this. Cause this is my, my first time doing this kind of podcast. And, uh, I hope you'll have me back again sometime to talk about another movie because I've really enjoyed going through this. Absolutely, yeah. You, you yeah, you yeah. gave me a, a short little list, so I'll have to we'll have to look at that again and, and see what's on there. Yeah, I, um, I definitely. Um, I, I sometime someday I want to make the case for the defense for Superman Four. That is <laughs> that is not as bad a movie as everybody says it is, and I I'll fight to the death on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe we'll have to have you come on for that then. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Liam, thanks so much for coming on. And yeah, we'll definitely have you back on and we'll have that fight at some point. (laughs) I look forward to it, mate. Thank you. All right. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. And you can find us at SuperheroCinephiles.com on Twitter and Instagram at SuperCinemaPod. Don't forget to join our Facebook group, Superhero Cinephiles. Just do a search for that. It'll pop right up. And please, if you like what you hear, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And if you're interested in being on the show, you can drop me a line. Uh, superhero cinephiles at gmail.com is the web is the email address or we've got a contact form on the website drop me a line let me know what you'd like to talk about and we'll see if we can uh, schedule time to squeeze you in thanks again and we'll talk to you next time you have been listening to the superhero cinephiles podcast follow us on twitter and instagram at super cinema pod join our facebook group by searching for superhero cinephiles where you can interact with us and other superhero fans If you'd like to support the show, you can become a regular supporter at Patreon or make a one-time donation through PayPal, both of which can be found at our website, SuperheroCinephiles.com. If you buy or rent any movies through the Amazon links at our site, it helps support the show. Please be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.